Hello, welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I'm the Backwards Man, the Backwards Man. I'm the Backwards Man, the Backwards Man. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Malignant, which released in 2021. Written by Ingrid Bisu and Akella Cooper and James Wan. And directed by James Wan. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Madison Mitchell, played by Annabelle Wallace. She has just had an incident at home with her abusive husband, and he has ended up dead. While the police investigate his murder, Madison starts to have visions of people she doesn't know dying around her. She also realises that the killer may actually be all in her head. Who let them tell you I wasn't real? That I was just a voice, and you believe them? This film had quite a bit of a buzz around it when it released. Right. Stephen King said that the film was absolutely brilliant. Oh, okay. Nicolas Cage said it was the best horror film he saw all year. Okay, okay. <laughs> and this is all where director James Wan, who's probably most famous maybe for his Conjuring series of films. Yeah. Including the Annabelle spin-off and yeah. the Nun spin-off. And yeah. Other spin-offs. Other spin-offs. <laughs> uh, he was like, you know what? I've done the haunted house trope to death. So I'm going to try and do a horror movie that's slightly different and maybe has the nostalgia of finding a VHS tape in a blockbuster video store tucked away at the back. And it was a collaborative effort between the three of them who devised the story who, and then it was adapted into the screenplay and then the film that we have now. And I was not that interested when the film released. I mean, I was a latecomer to actually appreciating and enjoying the conjuring films oh. but i'm not the mm. biggest fan of this director still yeah um just gonna throw this out there now spoilers there's gonna be some kind of spoiler at some point in this review and it's really gonna completely askew your whole view on this movie so i must ask you if you've never seen malignant take the moment to stop go and watch it and come back Okay, you're back? Right. Okay, so I'd seen the poster, I think, when the film had come out, and I'm pretty sure I wikied it, because obviously I wiki everything. And I thought, ah, and that was it. Me and James Wan, we have kind of a bit of a relationship. Like, he made Saw, which is really good, and I really love the Saw series, but that's it, because he made, the, like, the first one, and then he never went back. He went off to other movies. Like, you've got The Conjuring... Which I'm like, like that's the that's the the investigators going and seeking out the spirits, yeah, and the jump scares, boring. I kind of no, I mean Annabelle, killer doll, the nun. I mean when you call your movie the nun, do you know how much fear I have in that? <laughs> so I'd seen this come up on the list and thought okay this will be interesting to watch and then realized it was james one and i was like oh god okay. i know how much you enjoyed aquaman <laughs> fuck you fuck fuck you fuck aquaman why like why why would why you me? do that why, why you just brought up aquaman it's the same director you're talking about films you didn't I, like so right. i thought i'd just throw you a bone so you and i gotta <laughs> fuck you so you're emphasising how much I kind of dislike this director and his or her style of 
recording and editing and right off the offset what the fuck is going on with this movie like you have this giant research building and it's 1993 and i'm like huh it's completely fake yeah yeah. It wasn't it wasn't some location that they just hired up. <laughs> no. It's massively computer generated and completely just it just looks so wrong that I'm completely off-putted by the movie. And then we have Dr. Weaver sitting down um giving her report on this character Gabriel that we don't see because we're seeing it through the camera lens and how Gabriel's become bigger, stronger and a lot more vicious. Yeah, it's quite an action opening sequence, isn't it? Where you've got doctors running down hallways, screaming at each other. Lights are blinking on and off and exploding. It, there are people flying out of rooms and you're like, whoa, what in, the, what in the world are they keeping in this hospital? It felt like the start of Hobo with a Shotgun. Like, it felt like, um, what, Grindhouse? Uh, kind of, yeah. Yeah, but it didn't, it, it felt like Grindhouse, but it shouldn't be. And so I was like, what's going on? He speaks. He's broadcasting his thoughts. All of a sudden, yeah, all these dead bodies are everywhere and you're just seeing people lying there holding their breath trying to not look alive while bloody. <laughs> and It's time to cut the cancer out. Oh, fuck me, yeah. Cue <laughs> <Q> titles! <laughs> yeah, James Mann, what is it with you and fucking editing a montage of sequences together to make your title sequence explain basically the story, the background of the movie? Kind of what, Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of did the same thing. You know, just loads of images over the credits, over the actors' names, and it just... It seems like so 2002. I wasn't impressed. Yeah, now this film has split audiences in terms of, is this a scary horror movie, or is this a farce? Yeah. <laughs> is this just yeah. a joke? Are you taking the piss out of horror movies? Yeah. But according to Juan, he's just like, you know, I love horror movies and I want to incorporate everything I know and love about horror in this one movie. Oh, wow. But, so that's nothing. But it then. looks like you know it looks like he's tried to do that, but it's just not worked. And it just fell all in the camp side of things. But but then again, maybe, I don't know, maybe in 20 years, I'll look back on this movie, like you said, like like a movie you'd find at the back of a VHS store and be like, oh, I've never seen this because I'm doing that now. I'm finding horror movies from the 70s and 80s, which should borderline never, ever be watched and are absolutely atrocious. But you you, you find it funny. I mean, look at Halloween Kills. <laughs> right. And, you know, um, but we we jumped to like 28 years later. I mean, it comes up, it says present day. And I was holding my notes and I was like, what, present day when the movie was made? Or present day when I watch it? Or like present day other than 1993? Because I feel really old that horror movies are like way back in 1993. I'm like, oh my God. You know? <laughs> So then we follow our protagonist for the film, Madison Mitchell, and she's just come home from a long day at work. We don't see her at work. Yeah, we, don't, what? we don't actually find out anything <laughs> about this it? character's personality. Is she a nurse? Well, I would say yes from right. her outfit. I wanted to say yes, but spoilers, as she ends up in hospital during the movie, doesn't act like she's... I know. 
<laughs> I know. Okay. Because that is the limit of characterization or yeah. personality to this character. She is a blank slate. And I would say this about every character in this film. They're devoid of personality or depth. They, they act like humans. Yeah. But really, they're just, you know, body snatched. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she comes home from work and she's like, oh, I'm, you know, we find out that she's pregnant. It's like, oh, so in instant sympathy or yeah. care for yeah. a pregnant woman, mm -hmm. as you would. Um, but of course, it's it only just sets up this domestic abuse situation where she's struggling after a day, turns the TV off, and right. the husband ends up slamming her head into the wall after... He tells her it's her own fault for being pregnant. Tell me what I'm doing. Are you saying this is my fault? Are you saying this keeps happening? Because Don't touch her! Bitch! Questions. Many, many questions. I'm sorry. Like, this film's not going to answer them. Though. I know, but this was my whole problem. How long have these guys been married for? How long have they lived in this house? Did this house come like this? Did they build it themselves? Did they, they, they have they just been living here? Was it a hand-me-down from another family? How long have they been married? How long has he been abusing her? Was he abusing her at the beginning of the relationship? Or did he only recently just start doing it? Well, apparently it? just quit drinking alcohol. Right, he's only just recently quit. Um, supposedly she's been um, pregnant. And this is not the first time. She's been pregnant multiple times. Because he, he says and to her... And miscarried every stop, time. Stop getting pregnant. Because you keep miscarrying in. And you're messing with my emotions. And we do find out from the hospital that like she's, she's miscarried... Uh, three times in two years, which will become a plot point later on in the movie. But at this moment in time, I'm like, what the fuck is this whole family? Like, he literally takes her and slams her fucking head against the wall. Oh, I'm so sorry. You oh, know, it's not me. Something oh, just took over. Took over. I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, if he's done this multiple times, why is she still there? And I, I get it. I mean, there's probably going to be something in the comment section. You'll be like, well, domestic abuse and you can't just leave the situation. Yeah, I, I know there's all those permutations, but it's the fact that this character that we're following, Madison, mm. doesn't give us any no. reason, really. Well, no, James Wan gives us None. Any, any reason. Literally, we have literally just jumped from a mental hospital, which we, we have seen some kind of weird arm creature thing screaming that we're like, oh, what's that? Now we're jumping 28 years... 28 years later to a fucking girl who's getting her head slammed off the back of a, of a wall. Hmm. I wonder how this is going to play out. Well, cue horror movie moment. Haunted house moment. Mm. As uh, the husband, he's wandering around the house and he, uh, yeah, he... the TV turns itself on. The fridge door opens. The... He hears strange noises. The blender turns itself on. The blender on. turns itself the kitchen. on. Uh, and, then, and then something gets him. Like, oh. I thought it was I thought it was fucking the bitch from the ring. Oh yeah. <laughs> the long haired tall I, girl, I, the, I, the ghost. I did think for a second it was her because just the way it was designed. But I did like the quick flash, because I did catch it. Experienced horror watchers will notice this as well as me, is that you know, the way his head slammed up against the wall, you're like, oh, that motherfucker dead. And so then when Madison comes walking down the stairs, she's all, you know, scared looking for her husband. And there he is, head twisted up the wrong way, looking back at her and she's absolutely freaked out. But then she gets chased by... All the way around the house. 
All right. the way into one of the rooms that she closes herself into. Yeah. And then the door eventually gets burst open. She goes flying through the air and boom, knocked out, wakes up in hospital. It's like, oh. Right. Well, the creature got got to you, but I guess let you live? Yeah. So we follow the two detectives now, Moss and Shaw. Moss played by Michelle Brianna White and Detective Shaw played by George Young who turn up and start investigating the case. Um, I'm already, what, 10, 15 minutes into this movie. I'm not liking the way it's going. I'm not liking the feel of it. Um, and as soon as I got to these two detectives, I thought the movie was making fun of me. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> because she does not seem, Moss does not seem like the type who should be a detective. She's just so sarcastic and just, I, I don't know, just did not feel like a, a way a detective should feel. And then you have Shaw, who everybody seems to fancy. Like the forensic person flirts with him. Fucking Madison's sister flirts with him. And it's like he plays on it. Like he's supposed to be liked by everybody. Or oblivious to it. Or oblivious to it. Because he, like Gary said, he's completely devoid of any personality at all. It's literally holds a badge and a gun and, oh, I'm a detective. I'm like... Q Detective A there. <laughs> and we see Madison at the hospital. We we meet her sister, Sydney, played by Maddie Hassan. Um, I'll get to this family relationship at some point. It was nothing. Um, but she's really upset that, obviously, her sister, Madison, is in hospital, that her husband is dead, that she's miscarried again. She realises that she's miscarried that number of years, uh, that number... It seems like these sisters don't have a quite a close relationship to well, what we're reading between the text here. Yeah, well, because um, Sydney explains that her the husband, Derek, was a bit of a dick and so it kept them apart. So I'm like, right, oh, okay, so we're being drip, really, really tiny drip fed any kind of back history of what is going on with this family. Because it jumps two weeks later. Two whole fucking weeks Madison has sat in our hospital or she sat with her sister and her, her mum at their place. I don't know because she just turns back up at her house and she sat there in the car. And did you notice the zoom ins during the sequence? Yeah. What the fuck was that all about? To imply that something was happening so you wouldn't fall asleep. Right. <laughs> I was starting to fall asleep from the zoom ins. This film it gets really, really dull, really derivative, really paint by numbers i guess yeah like for the next hour it becomes almost like a police procedural trying to figure out who's causing these murders because the, there's going to be a few more murders um but we do get the sequence where she uh diys her house up you know like put, put boards up and new locks and a deadbolt on the door well, and... you, well i mean she saw the shape outside didn't she that's right um... so she's worried that whatever pretty much got to her in the first place is going to come back for her to finish the job this time yeah I, I gotta... But I mean, already I'm just like the 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 fear for the protagonist of this creature or this murderer has is non-existent because it already got to her once before. Yeah, and let her go. Yeah, like the police didn't get there straight away. I mean, we don't know. It fades out. It's like two whole weeks since her husband died. This thing hasn't bothered to come over. It's not interacted with anybody else in her family. The cops aren't even. They're still investigating. Well, no, they're just like mm, abusive, abusive oh, yeah. wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lost her baby. Motive. She clearly killed her husband. Threw him down the stairs. So was case closed. <laughs> but it's the fact as well. Like um, she, you know, she's staying in her house, 
and she starts to suffer from these visions. It's done okay at first, but then it gets really monotonous and kind of repetitive to the point where I just kind of give up. Um, this, I mean, this first one where she kind of stops, she's, she's unable to move, you know, the, 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 the creature. And then this is where the movie started to also really start to question, break its own rules and made me question what they were thinking because the creature has, it has kidnapped this woman underneath Seattle. It just cuts to this random woman underneath the cities of Seattle at night showing a tour group round. And she says, hey, look, you know, underneath the streets of Seattle, there was another street because there was a giant fire and we just rebuilt on top of it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Not to realize that's going to play off in like 30 minutes. You got to keep hold of that information. And she lets out the whole tour guide. Now it was absolutely unbelievable to me that this woman would be working on her own at night in the dark with a tour right and the thing that gets me is that she hears some noise and she's like hey you can't be down here hey leave now oh yeah and then the lights all go out and so she runs like i'm gonna get out of here but then she stops she's like oh, i'm gonna put the lights back on like what are you doing like putting the lights on it's not gonna stop it like, go i cannot stand i cannot stand horror characters who will just walk up to darkness that you blatantly can't see past and just keep saying hello. Hello? Well, let's cut to the old man uh, in, in his apartment. Mm. This is another, another vision that Madison has where we follow him. He's in his house. He's getting ready for bed. It's like, oh, the window's open. Oh, oh, I don't remember leaving the window open. Oh, there's water everywhere. I'm going to wander into the closet, get a towel. I'm going to wipe the water out with my feet. I'm going to put the towel away. Then I'm going to go to bed. But we as an audience get to see the, the, the shape that this, this long-haired creature in the room with him. Well, like, why is it toying with him? Does it need to feed on his fear? Is this Pennywise? Is this Freddy Krueger? No! I mean, this creature, as we will find out, is here for revenge. So just sneaking around his place without him knowing about it, like, go get him. <laughs> this is it. We'd already had, we'd already seen the creature and we take out Dr. Weaver, the woman from the beginning. And, and it smashed her head in which Madison had seen and had stolen her trophy. So Madison is obviously freaking out that she's, she's seen this vision and we're trying to understand why. And at the same time, it's cut back to uh, the creature in some kind of dark industrial warehouse place with a huge giant fan in a window. And the tour guide is tied up <laughs> on a wall. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's just tied up because whatever this thing is. And I keep saying thing. I know what it is. And I really want to tell you. And if you've already seen the film, you already know. So we're going to get to that point because fucking stupid <laughs> but this thing is there and it's talking through electrical impulses psychically through radios because that's what we'd also heard from the beginning of the movie as well that whatever this thing is can psychically send out its thoughts so it kills dr weaver with the trophy then it takes the bladed excellent fucking blatantly fake cgi looking 
thing on top of the trophy, sharpens it into another weapon, then goes to the old man's fucking apartment in the hotel. And Madison is now obviously part of this vision as well. And she, she watches the man get stabbed in bed. So I'd sat there and fucking watched this supposed creature thing climb through this old man's window, leave a water trail, to a closet, the old man go to the closet, nothing to attack him. He then cleans up the water, takes the towel back to the closet, nothing attacks him, and then climbs into bed just so that this thing could climb up on top of him and attack him. Well, maybe the creature's really weak and vulnerable and needs him to be in a feeble state to attack him. No! <laughs> no! No! Well, then no, give me one other reason. <laughs> Because it's James Wan! That's what the fucking reason he is. He wants to make sure the audience is scared. He's scared. Are you scared of oh, it? Are you, oh, you're terrified. Do you know what's going on yet? No, you've got to reveal it to us. Because Madison fucking tells her sister as well. This is this is where the whole plot comes undone with the movie. <laughs> Madison turns to her sister because she wakes up screaming and explains to Sydney, Oh, Sydney, if you never knew in the 20 odd years that we've been together as fucking sisters, I was adopted. <gasps> I know. That's what I was like. That's what I was like in the movie. And Sydney d doesn't really bother with this information at all for the rest of the, for this. Unless they go to the cops, they they then go to the cops, and Madison explains to them, "Look, I saw this guy die in this hotel room. Um, it's near the Silver Cups building, and you have to go there." So I love how the film kind of gets a little bit meta here right because uh her sister's just like hey look i played a a, a psychic on an fbi oh, cop tv show isn't it true that cops use psychics to solve cr crimes and you know, the fbi agent's just like no it's preposterous i'm like but you she's just had a psychic vision now you're all off to go and investigate it so yeah like, <laughs> and, and does james one know that police stations don't look like this they don't. I not that I've been. I've in not many been to a stations. Seattle police station. I've never, but yeah. I've never been to Seattle, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't look like this. With all the deaths, it looks like something out of Seven. Yeah, yeah. You guys consult psychics for like missing persons cases, right? I played a psychic in an episode of a cop show, and they said it's a real thing. There was that point as well where the cop, um, she kind of explains to Madison, doesn't she? She says to her like, "Are you telling me?" that you want us to investigate these murders because you believe it was your imaginary friend. Wait, are you saying that the killer is your imaginary friend? And I was like, that's really a line in this movie. Oh, there are, <laughs> there are so many bad lines of dialogue in this There's, film. Yeah. It was like, I mean, it's like they had the idea for the film but they didn't know how to write the film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, there, there's the, there's this setup in the film that was just like, it was baffling. Now, you, you, you if you've seen the film, you'll, you'll know and you'll recognize the song immediately, uh, Where Is My Mind, oh, by, by the Pixies, right? Oh, and the, the film Ooh. never plays the song in its entirety, no. but kind of a remixed kind of synthetic version of the song Horrible. but you know it Horrible. you know it if you know the song you know yeah, it yeah. and so you're like okay it's playing on this this idea of is she going crazy is she the monster is it her imaginary friend is she the creature you know so where is my mind so th that's what the film is posing to you as an audience member yeah, yeah. two minutes later she's in the police station with the detectives 
and the phone rings and it's the monster going, yeah, I'm not an imaginary friend. Actually, I'm the real monster. So you're not losing your mind. I was like, so no. why? Why have all this set up to, to, to us as to, is she crazy or making it up? Because imaginary they, friend or is it her? Because they had nothing else for this movie. This movie would have been 30 fucking minutes. And they Which had to, should have been. <laughs> they had because to there's so much adding and so, waste of material here. Yeah, they, they pad it out, basically. Yeah, so Gabriel calls <laughs> through the phone. Through the no, wait a minute, wait a minute, right. right. So, this creature is, like, I mean, it's supernatural now, right? It's a supernatural creature if it's able to do this. No! No, Gary! I'm sorry, audience. I'm sorry. You want the honest opinion? No, Gary! Only a fucking idiot would watch a horror movie and not know immediately what this whole plot is. Because this bit from the movie had fucking planned it out right from the beginning. But the creature is talking through electronic devices. That thing at the beginning of the movie was talking through electronic devices. Yeah, I know. So it's got to be a supernatural creature because no human can do that. No, because that thing... That thing was attached to the back of somebody's head, wasn't it? It was still attached to a human. So it's still... Doing something supernatural. It's a psychic. It's psychic. <laughs> no no human brain. has ever achieved that on the planet. This like, thing's <laughs> not really human. I mean, it is human, but not really human. It's it's, it's malignant. <laughs> yeah, this fucking movie's malignant because because once Gabriel is kind of revealed. Oh, sorry, I just I, I yes. do actually have an answer okay. as to why maybe, and that was because they were giving it shock therapy at the beginning. Oh. That was my only explanation as to why it may be it's yeah, yeah. able to talk electronically. Were people still doing shock therapy in 1993? This hospital looked like it was in the back of beyond of nowhere, fantasy land. Yeah. So yes, they yeah. were. Okay. <laughs> so Madison has got the information about this Gabriel character. She's decided that instead of explaining it to the cops as, they, as per horror movie rules, she's just going to leave with her sister and go and investigate it herself. And so she goes back to her adopted mother, not uh, Sydney's real mum. And she says to her, uh, who's Gabriel, basically. And the mum's like, oh, my God, I've never heard. I haven't heard that name in like 20 years. And we get this videotape. And I was very I was studying this fucking movie because I had nothing else to do for two hours. And um, I realized, like, so she'd been born, raised for seven, eight years at the hospital. Not no no no. Well, not really at the hospital. We only find out later on that they like she, she was seven eight in the hospital, and they were dealing with her in nineteen ninety two at one point. But well, actually, I think they she actually turned up in the Christmas of nineteen ninety two, and then she's she's already with the family in nineteen ninety four. So she was only at the hospital for like two years. They literally saw this thing, whatever it was, and went, "We don't like this. We're going to cut it up, and we're just going to send the child off into the world." With no real explanation. Well, we find all that information out when the sister takes it upon herself to drive out to this old hospital to find it completely abandoned. Yeah. Where she digs up all of these videotapes and archived folders, etc. about what happened to her sister. Well, this is it. We we'd, we'd found out from the mum as well that while, when she was a child, when they had taken in Madison, that she had kept talking about this person, Gabriel. She kept talking to him and they had video footage of her not only talking to herself, but kind of through the phone to Gabriel. Because, like, even then, he was doing electronic devices at that point, too. Yeah. You know? Um, and there's even the hypnotherapist, where she hypnotizes Madison to go to sleep. And while Madison is going through, reliving this uh, traumatic memory of when she was a child, she almost cut open her mum's belly with Sydney inside, believing it was a cake, because Gabriel had made her believe that that's what she was seeing 
And so she completely freaks out and decides that this, she, they're going to leave. They're going to completely leave. And the tour guide lady, that maybe you'd forgotten existed in this movie, manages to break herself free from her restraints and basically falls through the ceiling into Madison's front room. <laughs> so where she had been being held was basically in Madison's attic. The whole giant... Industrial fan. Industrial fan thing, you can't see at all, ever, in any of the outside shots. I mean, you only ever see the, the front of the house. So, but yeah, you, it's I preposterous. Saw it. Dude, I saw the front of the house three times. I specifically looked. It's always at an askew angle, so oh, yeah. you can't just... You, shrouded in mist. As so, well. <laughs> so that when you see the attic, you can't see this window. Because it doesn't fucking exist. James Wan probably sat there and went, oh, we need to make it out that he's he, the, the creature, it, what Gabriel, is somewhere other than where Madison is. So we're going to stick this giant fucking industrial fan on it. So the cops turn up again and they come in and they re realise that in the attic space... Um, they find the killer's jacket the killer's and jacket. the weapon that had killed the yeah. other doctor. Yeah, all the evidence to point out. And... Uh, Detective Moss is like, well, I think it's her. And Shaw's like, I'm not entirely sure, as bad cop, good cop, A and B are supposed to do in these type of situations. And so they sit down with Madison and they're just like, right, okay, we need you to explain it to us while we're editing and cutting back to your sister driving off to this abandoned, scary home say, hospital at night. Did you not laugh out loud? Oh, a lot. With, a with, lot. with where she parks her car? No. Do you not remember? Like we know we've got the hospital. We don't see like the front of it right. or the car parking space. Right, right. But she parks her car and almost goes right off the cliff face. Oh yeah. No, I'm just like, who parks there? And why did it go into a fish angle camera lens know. while she's walking towards the Why? Because like the film's got nothing. So it's like we're gonna set up this scary, inhospitable atmosphere that right. you might think right. the killer's going to get her here. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna make you think that the killer might get her or something's gonna get her because she not only hit scary noises and walks through dirty scary fucking corridors at night nothing nada nothing happens nothing she walks right to the, she even looks at the sign and goes oh it's like oh, of course it's in the basement i was like oh wow this is like silent hill shit this is a scary abandoned hotel you know who abandons a, a hospital like that oh it's 993 we're, we're just going to close the hospital down bang some wood on it yeah it's done <laughs> We'll leave all the equipment. Nobody does that. It's completely unrealistic. The whole movie was so unrealistic. She goes downstairs. She picks up the box of shit. She walks back upstairs. And she realises uh, when she gets home to her mum's place. Because that was what shocked me. She got the box. She's looking at the VHS. And I'm thinking, oh, it's present day. Where is she going to find a VHS player? Mum's house. Mum's house. <laughs> Just goes walking back up the stairs, carrying the box of shit, not scared of any of the noises, gets to her car, puts it in, drives back in the dark. Hey, mum, you want to watch some weird videotapes? This is Madison, it's Emily's mum. <laughs> Let's watch some family home videos. <laughs> and each tape gets progressively more and more horrifying, but they can't stop watching. Yeah. Until they see the conjoined malignant creature, arms failing, mouth snarling coming out of the back of Madison. Spoilers. Did you not realise that from the... Yeah. <gasps> this thing is so... How does it work? Like, a fetus can break in and become identical twins. Um, but in this case, one of them uh, became parasitic to the other one. So, Madison is the superior body because obviously she got everything. And Gabriel is 
just attached to the back of her head and he he obviously this is where obviously my this whole psychic thing starts to come in because i think obviously with him just being our brain he's obviously got incredible mind abilities that he can make her see things and he can take out electronics and stuff like that but he he takes control of her body from the other way so she's literally backwards and she goes to sleep and so she sat there in the prison waiting cell with all these other prisoners and she's explaining it uh, sydney is explaining it to shaw over the phone that basically you know gabriel is inside her and she's gonna go to sleep and he'll take over and that's what we watch like fucking madison starts to get the shit kicked out of her by some of these fucking hookers basically one of them zoe bell you know death proof oh is it yeah, i said yeah. the blonde one yeah yeah i'm looking at her face i'm like i know you from somewhere <laughs> fucking zoe bell best bit of the movie probably then is zoe bell being in it yeah because yeah he gabriel just starts ripping the shit out of people Yeah, we're seeing arms and legs getting broken. We're getting heads getting stomped on. We're watching uh, Scorpion, was Zoe Bell's character, get shot to shit by a cop. Oh, yeah, and yeah. then the cop gets his head bashed in against the bars. Yeah. And before you know it, the whole cell is dead and empty. And she's grabbed the keys and, well, Gabriel, sorry, Gabriel. has let himself go. Yeah. Now, it's like the, I, this idea in the movie seemed really kind of unique. But at the same time, the, the way that the movie had been filmed and edited... I would have taken this a lot more seriously. Or I, sh or, I, or I felt I should have been taking this a lot more seriously. But it just felt like this whole movie was just one complete joke. <laughs> and so now watching this, I felt like I should be laughing and having fun. Which I was confused by. Because we watch Gabriel fucking... Because he's got a weird face. It's all kind of gory at the back of her head and so the hair hangs over and her face kind of just sits there and pressed against the back of his skull or whatever everything's backwards and he walks in and he puts on his coat and he gets the blade and he lets the forensic girl live yeah which was yeah. nice because her character is well i guess she was she was one of the story creators of the film so oh was she yeah, yeah. that's why she got such fucking camera part then <laughs> didn't she? now i will say like as dull and uninteresting as most of this film has been. The last 20 minutes of this film is quite a ride. It is bonkers, it is batshit crazy, and I kind of like it. Because we get a police station massacre. I haven't seen one like this since Terminator or Maniac Cop. Yeah. You know, where she just goes round. Now, they, they hired, I think it was a, a, uh, a Ukrainian ballet dancer or a contortionist. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So all of the movements, all of the disjointed looking yeah. movements where you're looking at it and you're like, that's uncanny. Like, is that CGI? Is that a real person? It's yeah. hard to tell. Yeah. But it was a real person. Now, what, what was clearly CGI, just like the, the prison cell massacre, was all the CGI gore, all the blood splats, the yeah. eye pops, the yeah. limb breaks, the, the sword or the dagger being, you know, stabbed through people, watching it protrude out of these torsos. I'm like, CGI, CGI, CGI. I'm yeah. like, 
if this sequence had practical effects, it would have been mwah, chef's kiss. Yeah. But the mix, the mishmash is just horrible. It's the lighting is wrong. The cinematography is wrong. I don't know. I, there are just too many wide angle shots that make it look silly and preposterous. Yeah. I'm like, why? I mean, all of the horror stuff is but really is, good. Is it supposed to be its, like that? Maybe because maybe they wanted this. Maybe they wanted you to laugh at this. Yeah. I don't know. That's why tonally this film just it just seesaws violently. Because this is it. Like like we'd already had this kind of cool chase sequence I'd found with Shaw and Gabriel. You know, um, earlier on in the movie, which kind of was one of my favorite sequences because I did. I was very surprised that the cop had decided to run this far and could keep up with Gabriel that far. And then it led into this kind of whole fight sequence in the Seattle kind of tombs, if you didn't realize that piece of information we got told would then play out to the cop having this underground fight sequence. That was kind of cool, but it just seemed farcical and silly. He never called for backup. He was able to wrestle and fight Gabriel. Yeah. Yet we've also seen Gabriel now just massacre a police station. It's like, how did that one cop live and survive this encounter? Yeah. And not only that, after these 20 cops have all been ripped up, Moss, who did not look like she was any kind of fighter in, uh, at all, is able to hold her own against Gabriel for a little bit until he slashes her across the belly. And then while she's trying to help fucking Shore out, because he's been taken out too, Gabriel, instead of killing both these cops, like he could have done with the other 20 that he's just wiped down the fucking prisoners, throws a chair at them. <laughs> It's not funny. It's a checkers. He completely just fucking ruined any credibility of a horror character he killed for just throwing a chair and then not only that, he jumps down and walks out the front door. Walks. Doesn't smash or grace or do anything scary out of a window like some malignant fucking character. He just walks out the front door. And the fucking forensic girl turns up and goes, Oh my god, does anybody need any help? Oh, I wonder why I'm calling the police. Oh my god, the court. Why am I calling the police? Call paramedics. Now! End scene. End of those characters from this movie, too. Yeah, because they don't turn up, do they? Yeah, that's it. They're, they're, that's they're, they're done. And so we meet up with Sydney, who gets to the hospital, um, and she's heading there to save uh, the, the, the lady in the hospital bed, because that turns out to be Madison's real mum, or Gabriel's mum as well. And while she's there, we see this old man saying that she can't go in there unless she's with a police officer, and he starts to complain about his chest... Um, his heart, he's got a pacemaker in there and obviously Gabriel is messing around with it and makes it explode, which was kind of cool. Um, I just could not get over the fact in my mind that Gabriel had just escaped from a police station, made his way all the way to the hospital. Doing the backwards walk. Doing the backwards <laughs> walk, parkouring all over the place because he's like a parkour fucking <laughs> champion. But like, he's not seen, he doesn't kill anybody else other than like this old man. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't see it, so who knows? Like, did he just jump in a taxi, taxi you know, kill the taxi driver, drive taxi? He tries to kill Sydney, and, you know, we've, we've got the whole mental image as well. Throughout the movie, there's played around the mental image that Madison, while Gabriel is in control, she's actually there 
um, obviously watching it. And we'd seen it in some of the visions, but it weren't visions that she was having. She was actually there. So, like, it boggled my fucking mind because there's many sequences where Madison wakes up in bed. You know, she wakes up from a from a night's sleep where she's had kind of the dream, the vision. But you're telling me that Gabriel has made her believe that she's gone to bed, you know, dressed up in his coat. Well, climbed up into the attic, dressed up in his coat, ran and parkoured his way all the way to some hotel or some doctor's house, climbed inside, done some sketchy shit, killed the fucking person, gone all the way back, taken off his coat and climbed back into bed to wake Madison up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Madison realises now that she's got the power, you know, whatever Gabriel can do, she can do herself and she just has to believe, you know, it's inside her, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, she she seems to uh, ma- manages to uh, have some kind of consciousness during the blackouts. Yes, now. yeah. And she witnesses Gabriel strangle her biological mother before wrestling with her sister, grabbing the gun and blowing her sister's brains out. And we're just like, oh, this film took a very dark turn towards the end here. Yeah. But then we find out that Gabriel's the one who's actually now been imprisoned inside Madison's own mind trap. Yeah. Uh, and the two of them sort of face off with each other. And uh, the film, you know, very, I don't want to say clever. There's not too many clever moments in the film. <laughs> uh, but uh, the creature kept calling her by her real name, yeah. which was May, I think it was. Oh, no, it was Emily. Oh, Emily May. Yeah, Emily May. And uh, the creature then actually calls her Madison instead. So it's like it's now accepted the fact that it's not his conjoined sister anymore, that it is this new person. Yeah. Madison's like, now I have your powers and now you're imprisoned in my mind. And we get the metaphorical bars yeah. coming over. And then we also realize that, that mum, still alive, sister, still alive. It was just a, a phantom yeah, uh, it was, projection. It was a glamour that <laughs> yeah. Madison had done onto uh, Gabriel, which I thought was kind of a cool twist. Because when I'd seen the gun go off, I was like, oh, fuck, he's, he's killed her. Yeah. And then realizing that when it played back and Madison had taken over, I was like... Oh, right. And then the film ends with them hugging, like, everything's going to be okay. I'm like, who's going to explain the fucking 20 dead police officers? <laughs> well, there are fingerprints everywhere. Oh, she was wearing gloves. No, well, no, well yeah, they, they said that because it's backwards, yeah. there was never no fingerprints. Or t- the oh, no, no, no. They said there was, there was prints that they just couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. Or the hands were. they were backwards and yeah. stuff, yeah. <laughs> You'll always be stuck with me! Sooner or later, I will get out! I know. But next time... I'll be ready for you. Oh, well, I imagine this is going to go fairly quickly. But Ian, any favourite scenes from the film? I I don't know. I don't know what's a favourite scene anymore, especially when it comes to a horror movie. I don't know what constitutes a good scene. Like, knowing, like, some of the... Like, like that line... Where Detective Moss is like, are you trying to tell me that the killer is your imaginary friend? I'm like, is that really a line? Because that's really funny. I don't know if it's supposed to be. So I wrote it down. You know, why am I calling the police? I thought that was really funny. I don't know if that's supposed to be in the context of the movie. Um, Him, her, whatever, killing all the policemen. It was all right. Like, yeah, I much prefer Terminators and Maniac Cop 2's was a lot of fun. Wasn't there a police station killing in Basket Case? 
In Basket Case 2 or 3, I'm pretty sure he walks in there and he kills a bunch of people. Maybe. Maybe. That's what this this movie made me think of. It made me think of Basket Case. The whole concept of, you know, just this these two people being attached and one of them being removed and it coming and killing all the doctors and stuff like that. Maybe that's what James Wan was going for. I much prefer, was it brain damage? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, brain damage. Oh, oh God, yeah. That's that's some scary. Yeah, I got nothing else for this. No. Really? No, there's there's not one particular scene in the entire film that I would praise, but there are moments. There are moments. There are little glimmers of of what I really liked uh, in the film. And the uh, the opening credit for Atomic Monster, the intro little animation, I thought was pretty cool. Right, yeah, Nothing yeah. Nothing to do with the film, I yeah, know, but I was yeah. like, that's oh, a little cool animation. Yeah. Um, I, I do like the image of the hospital. The first image of the film. I was like, you know, the misty forest, this giant gothic monolithic uh, hospital. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, I know it's all CGI and fake, but yeah. I was like, as an image, I was like... I like that imagery. Oh, okay. it's, it's a nice shot. Yeah. Uh, I also really liked the front of the house shot when it's all, again, middle of the night, mist everywhere or fog. You know, I was like, it creates a nice atmosphere for a horror movie. I was yeah. like, it's very appropriate. Um, there was also one really excellent use of, uh, of camera work. Uh, in the sequence during, I guess, like the home invasion, when the creature attacks, killed the husband, and uh, we, we follow Madison run all the way up the stairs oh, and around yeah, the house. Yeah. And of course, it was you a, can of see course the it was a set. Yeah, yeah. So, the, you know, they cut the top of the set off, and the camera literally spiders around, yeah. following her around the whole house in one shot. I was like, that's that a really cool, cool use that of camera was, that work. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, that's it for me for favourite scenes. You know, I forgot as well, the other favourite sequence I really liked was the chase sequence. I thought James Wan had done a really well chase sequence from watching, you know, him chase Gabriel down the fire escapes and then down into the alleyway, into the train, in, into the subway and through the, the sewers and all that. But at the same time, my whole mind was like, if that's Madison jumping down all these fire escapes, He's going to get hurt. She's going to have evidence on her body after a while. <laughs> but I know, but it should be. It should. It should. <laughs> yeah, there was also some nice body horror shots, like the you know, the quick sequence of the conjoined monster, like, oh, out of her back. I was yeah, like, I mean, that yeah, looks cool. It's horrifying. Cool, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was so blatant from the beginning. If you didn't know what it was, you should watch more horror movies. So do you recommend Malignant, Ian? Ah... <sighs> For experienced horror watchers, no, I don't recommend Malignant. It is so paint by numbers and so unbelievable in certain sequences that you just can't understand if if they were pie or really serious that this was the story that they wanted to tell. A lot of it really doesn't make much sense. Like Gary said, the tone shifts so much throughout the movie. You're not sure if it's supposed to be a dark comedy or just a light-hearted horror you know like like this thing is attached to the back of her head and you're telling me for 20 years when fucking sydney was brushing her hair when sisters because that's how close they're supposed to be she didn't notice anything anything like all the scars down her neck nothing, her back. yeah nothing <laughs> nothing no you telling me gabriel spent all this time just eating fetuses i mean not that I'm getting too deep into it, but did he eat her 
periods as well so that he could feed on that? How did he eat? How did he eat fetuses? It doesn't make any sense. The movie tries to tick a bunch of boxes. Here's the box. Here's the tick all the way over there. If it's your first time ever, ever, ever watching a horror movie of any type, maybe you'll watch Malignant and be like, oh my God, that was really unique and scary and terrifying. And I might say the same thing in another 20 years when I go back and watch it. But at this moment in time, I'm looking at it and I'm like, no, <laughs> no. You know, because of all of that, that's why I would say Malignant is worth a watch. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> but that... You know, it is also a complete mess, tonally, in that it wants to be a horror thriller, but succeeds more as a comedy. It's filled to the brim with jump scares and shadowy figures and music stings, all the panic and terror of the unknown before it becomes violent and gory with a supernatural monster maiming anyone in its path. But it's also very silly. It's very silly looking. The monster from its movements especially. It's not scary at all. Just silly and, and stupid looking. The cheesy camp factor scores really high too. The script is dreadful. Filled with convenience, plot exposition and jokes. And it really lacked any kind of character. I felt that everyone was devoid of any real personality. The cinematography though was fantastic. The camera work was slick stylized, frenetic, and a real highlight of the film for me. The performances were serviceable, considering they lacked any real character, and the music, totally forgettable. The last 20 minutes are where it's at. The film, the fun, the over-the-top, bonkers action gore quickly makes you forget the dull, derivative hour-and-a-half leading up to this point. <laughs> Your mileage may vary with this creature feature. Too funny, too silly, just right, or a nice homage to the 80s horror films. For me, this certainly was not a new vision of terror. <laughs> Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews.